Hey there. Uh, welcome to our first, well, intro episode to our new podcast on travel, uh, brought to you by flightsmachine.com. Uh, I'm Tom Allen. I am one of the co-founders of Flights Machine, along with uh, Ben Galsey, my, my co-founder, uh, who I will be speaking to later in this episode. And we're going to tell you a little bit about our company. But first, I want to tell you kind of about the podcast and what it's going to be. So um, we're basically going to be talking a lot about travel, um, about, you know, traveling abroad, traveling in the United States, uh, traveling uh, via plane, train, tuk-tuk, whatever it may be. Uh, I think we're going to have on a lot of really great guests that that have experience in these things and, and some that don't have so much experience. And I think that's going to add a lot of diversity to our conversations here. So definitely if you're an avid traveler and you want to hear some, some great travel stories and, you know, just maybe pick up some pointers and, and things you maybe hadn't thought of before, um, check it out. And if you're not an avid traveler and you're just getting started or you're interested in travel, um, let us know what you want to hear and we'll try and make some episodes that answer your questions and, and help you get out there. We want to, we want to help inspire you to, to travel and see the world. So don't be shy. And with this podcast, feel free to jump around to whatever episode you want. Um, we're not going to be doing this necessarily in a chronological order per se. So you can kind of listen to whatever episode you feel is, uh, interesting to you. So even even now, if you feel that you want to just jump to our most recent episode, feel free to do that. Uh, ben and I, the two hosts, are also very responsive to emails. If you want to reach out to us, ben at flightsmachine.com or tom, T-H-O-M, at flightsmachine.com. Uh, if you have any suggestions for what you want to hear on the show, any topics you want us to cover, or maybe something that you heard us talk about and you want us to go a little bit more into detail about it, feel free to write to us. Or if you just have any questions, we'll, uh, you know, we can just answer them. And um, we always love talking to, to new people. And um, I think you'll find we're, we're very responsive. So don't be afraid to reach out. And if you're curious about what we do, um, definitely go check out our website, flightsmachine.com. We have uh, sections on there talking about uh, what we do, how we do it, and who we are. And so if you're curious about any of those things, check them out. But definitely stick around for my conversation with Ben, uh, my co-founder, and I. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So I hope you're um, excited for this podcast and definitely let us know what you think. So now I'm going to play my conversation with Ben that we recorded a couple days ago. So enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Ben now, and we're going to talk a little bit about our story and how we met. Ben is a software engineer. He worked at Google yep. uh, a while back, and um, he and I met up shortly, I guess a couple years after that, and um, started doing some consulting together. So did we meet in... Peter Levels thing in yeah yeah you list? you messaged me on there okay yeah it was many on, years ago it was in like the Slack members only exactly type thing, right? for those who don't know Peter Levels or Levels.io is his website he's a very uh, famous digital nomad 
Yeah, yeah. He's and in a, case you've never heard Digital Nomad, it's somebody who works online and travels at the same time. Yeah. He's a extremely prolific and somewhat mediocre web developer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he gets stuff done. I hope he hears this and he's going to give me shit. But... You know, I met him in Bali. Oh, really? Yeah, just, yeah. just once, but... I, I talked to him a couple times. He's actually extremely responsive if you, like, write to him. Yeah, um, on Twitter. And I've, like, helped him kind of fix some of the stuff on his site. Ah. Because I'm like, yeah, dude, these things you're doing are making your site really slow. And so <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny. But, yeah, so we, we met through that community, which is kind of a, a resource for digital nomads to, to figure out where they're going next, uh, talk to people who are living in those uh, cities. Um, I guess if you're not familiar with the term digital nomad uh, is kind of just a person who travels around and, and works and makes a living uh, as they travel online or they're, or they're nomadic. online. Yeah. Yeah. You're not working Usually at a, a local job, you know, um, doing a wolf organic farming or, you know, working at a hostel or, you know, being a bar crawl tour guide, you're working online the whole time. Yeah. Um, so Ben has done this a lot. Yes. He's currently doing this um, and has been for three years now. Is that Yeah, right? I mean, I started in 2014, but I did spend some time in the U.S. since then. Um, but I think I'm getting close to two and a half years abroad. Yeah, you were basically nomadic in the U.S. too, though. True, true. So, I haven't had a year lease since uh, 2014. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you were in the U.S. for a little bit, but basically four years you've been pretty nomadic. That's right. That's right. A little bit of two suitcases and a backpack. Yeah, I think that's pretty hardcore. Um, at <laughs> no, least hardcore would be live out of a backpack only. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people do that. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite minimalist digital nomad um, bloggers is a guy named Tynan. Tynan.com. Yeah. T-Y-N-A-N. He's uh, an interesting guy. Uh -huh. He only owns like two shirts. Yeah. <laughs> but they're uh, merino wool, so, you know, it's good. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to own two shirts, then, you know. Yeah, you can splurge a bit <laughs> on the good stuff. <laughs> that's so crazy. Um, yeah, I, uh, I've done some traveling where I've only taken a little bit of stuff, you know, and it's actually super nice, but, um, for the longer trips, like this year going to Bali for two months, we had a, we each had a small backpack and then one small rolling luggage. So still pretty light on luggage for two people. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, compared to the people who go on like, um, weekend vacation and bring their two giant Louis Vuitton <laughs> pieces of luggage you know yeah you see those every now and then yeah i think that's the norm yeah it's like it what is, most people is. do oh, is totally. they go on a on a five-day vacation and they have like 70 pounds of luggage with them, <laughs> so. definitely not convenient yeah not my style so i definitely can get down with minimalism it's just being traveling for so long is is hard mm -hmm. um, you ever feel like it's uh pretty tough being out that long oh for sure i mean um you know we've even had a conversation about this where I think in 2019, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in Mumbai actually. So I'm thinking that's going to be my home base, so to speak in 2019. Yeah. So rather than, you know, taking one way flights from one destination to the next, every couple of months, instead, I'm going to be living in Mumbai, have a, an apartment and just go on, you know, three week to five week trips and book round trip tickets yeah. to places in the area. So you said you're going to go to Kazakhstan. Right. Yeah, that's that's one of the trips I want to take. You know, uh, Mumbai, of course, is on the west coast of India. And so, for example, just to the north, you know, there's uh, Kazakhstan. Almaty is a city in particular I'm interested in. It's uh, got direct flights from New Delhi, which is close to Mumbai. And it's literally only around three, three and a half hours for that flight. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Kazakhstan is going to be really rad. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's 
you know, it's a country that um, has been somewhat maligned. For example, the famous movie Borat. Yeah, you know, he yeah. he was allegedly uh, from Kazakhstan. Yeah, so it was it I was the butt of a joke of the whole thinks. movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's a uh, it's it's an interesting country, and I've uh, read some anecdotes online of people who have visited. <clears throat> the people are incredibly welcoming, friendly. There's a lot of great stuff you can do. Well, you should never trust anything coming out of Sasha Baron Cohen's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty funny, but that's yeah, he's he's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um, you've obviously traveled to a ton of places. Um, what do you think are, I know India has been a big one for you. What are, yeah. what are some of your other favorites? I know Bangkok is one of your favorites, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've spent actually close to nine months living in Bangkok, you know, Bangkok again, you know, a lot of these places, there's like these iconic movies that kind of people get an image in their head of that's the place. So for Bangkok, I think in the last few years, the most notorious movie was the hangover too. Yeah. <laughs> so like start a bar on fire and yeah, yeah. Or something, right? Well, yeah, I think the bar actually was in Bangkok, but Oh, you know, really? okay. in Bangkok, there's basically what's called the old city and then the new city. So obviously the hangover two was exclusively filming the old city and portraying it like that was the entire city. Mm -hmm. But Bangkok is actually really nice. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I went shopping in their electronics mall. It's like the fourth story of their huge mall there. Mm -hmm. and it was Maybe the you're talking about MBK, thing. I think. Yeah. It was that the mall, the one with the big water fountain in the center. Yeah. Um, and that was insane. It was like, I went to go buy a portable speaker and it was like the widest selection of electronics I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah. And they were all, yeah, super high end and stuff. It, so it was a, there's definitely a lot of different areas of Bangkok that are yeah. very different, different scenes. Yeah. I mean, there's great public transportation in that area too. Yeah. There's what's called the BTS SkyTrain. Yeah. So it's kind of like a subway, but instead of being underground, it's an elevated track. So you get a beautiful view of the city as you go along it. Yeah. I, I met up with a friend there that I that I met while trekking in Nepal, and we uh, we hung out and got foot massages and <laughs> got some good food. And it was oh, amazing. Yeah. The food is, you know, I have a top five ranking of world cuisines, and Thai food is definitely in that top five. Yeah, if you've never had uh, khao soy, that's my favorite. Oh yeah, in Thailand exactly. Uh, northern dish. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, you can Thai find food it goes well much. beyond pad Thai that we get in the U.S. Let's yeah, just go that yeah. way. And it gets much spicier. <laughs> Although they, they can kick your ass here in the U.S. too. I've, yeah, yeah. I've experienced that. Um, <clears throat> it's always that rating system that gets me. It's like, it's uh, our rating system is one through five. What do you want? And I'm like, oh, I think I can handle a three. <laughs> and then they melt my face off. And then some, you know, some other restaurant, it's like totally different. Uh, yeah, it's tough. The Thai rating system. I've heard it's based on chilies, though. You know, it could like, be. Like it's the number of chilies they're going to put mm -hmm. into your dish. But could be. Don't know. Maybe a Thai chef can clear that up yeah. at some point. Um, yeah, I love Thai food. Thailand was was really cool. There's definitely a lot of like hardcore party stuff going on. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, There's different parties. You can avoid scenes. it too. Yeah, I mean, you know, the classic backpacker road is called Khao San Road. So yeah. that's just like a street lined with bars, hostels, and um, shops selling kind of like trinkets, souvenirs, street food, and that's party seven days a week. Yeah. I only went and uh, like visited that road for a day. I think I was meeting up with another travel buddy, and um, but yeah, it seemed like it was a little too party central <laughs> for me. Well, me and you have a little different taste, so I've never <laughs> found a place that was too much party for me. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, more at home at <clears throat> out hiking in the mountains or something. Right, right. <laughs> um, I like to party though. Oh yeah, you throw some good parties. Yeah. I, had a good one this weekend. <laughs> I was feeling it though on 
Sunday. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Bangkok's one of your favorites. Um, what other what other cities have you spent a lot of time in and really loved? Well, most recently, I was in Medellin in Colombia. Yeah. So that was a really eye-opening experience, amazing place. You know, uh, Colombia obviously has a reputation of um, a rough past. Medellin mm -hmm. in particular is where Pablo Escobar came from. Yeah. With his Medellin cartel was the name. Yeah. Which was the principal... Um, uh, group in Colombia responsible for exporting cocaine from Colombia into America. And uh, he became incredibly wealthy off of that. But um, this was all back in really the 80s and early 90s before he was assassinated. And since then, Medellin has um, completely changed its image. Yeah. Yeah, I actually was, I think I sent you that documentary the other day about Medellin, how they've been changing their kind of uh, cracking down on crime and actually becoming kind of a a model city for other other cities that are having crime problems so right right seems like it's improved dramatically oh so definitely. that's really that's awesome yeah and one thing i'll emphasize with the places we've covered so far um is a lot of them are very affordable yeah so for example uh you know people have this misconception that travel is going to be expensive but it really depends on the destination you pick yeah so yeah bangkok and thailand medellin in colombia mumbai and in india these are all uh, very affordable places whereas Another place I really liked was Barcelona in Spain, but unfortunately, um, it's not that cheap there. Yeah. There's a real housing problem, actually, because so many tourists are interested in going to Barcelona that in the summertime, rent prices skyrocket. Oh, and everything's just Airbnbs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they crack down, actually. Airbnbs for under 30 days are not actually legal <clears throat> in Barcelona. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But obviously, there are still some available, but, you know, to counteract the risk, they um, the hosts really charge a high rate yeah crazy yeah, yeah. And, and i mean travel is definitely a lot cheaper if you are know a little bit more about what to spend money on and what not to right um, and it, it can be difficult like you know booking a place that's cheap is kind of an art form and i can't say i've completely mastered it <laughs> yet. yeah so well even with platforms like airbnb there's negotiation involved yeah so basically you can um send a well-crafted message to the host, especially if you're staying for a little bit longer. Maybe you want to stay there for your whole two-week vacation, three-week vacation. And because of that, uh, even if there's not an inbuilt, you know, weekly discount on Airbnb, you can often negotiate one. Yeah. So I've definitely done that before. Yeah, I think I did that before as well, where you can basically say like, okay, I rented your place for a week. You know I'm not crazy. How about, <laughs> how about a month? How much right, is that right. going to cost? Well, yeah, I mean... Definitely anytime you go offline, you're going to get the best rates. Yeah. So that's kind of what you're describing, where after you've been on site, you've met the person, you can work a deal. Similarly, if you're on the ground, you can negotiate in person as opposed to online where, um, yeah, it's just tougher to get uh, good deals. Yeah. I personally really like um, just booking.com. Oh, yeah. Is, is my favorite. So I've I've kind of gotten burned by Airbnb a couple times and been trapped in their horrendous uh customer support well they, they just don't have customer support so <laughs> right. when, when you run into a problem you're really on your own and um you end up just eating the price and it can be really bad so um i've never had that issue with a hotel through booking.com it's been a lot more reliable so you're going to pay a little bit more a lot of times but Honestly, Airbnbs are pretty on par with hotels at a, at a, in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a case by case basis. You got to know the place you're going. <clears throat> yeah, and 
like I've, I also can say the, uh, the convenience of a hotel is often very valuable. Yeah. The fact that you can walk in and there's a person at the front desk and you just check in and you're in your room and everything's clean and everything's, you know, where with an Airbnb, like I got one in Thailand that was just like, I opened the door and immediately was just like, I'm not staying here. Oh, and, wow. what do you see? Oh, it was just this like, first off the climb up to it was this was in Phuket, which mm. is kind of a, has some sketchy areas to it. Um, you know, it was like in this weird industrial back alley where <laughs> I was like climbing a fire escape to get to the room. And then I opened the door and it's just this, like, you know, the cold, creepy, flickering fluorescent light fluorescent bulb or fluorescent bulbs. Yeah. The, mm. um, and just this gross, bed that's like made out of cardboard and i'm just like what <laughs> what is this so uh, that was one of the situations where i was just like and i think it was kind of pricey for mm, considering wow. and so i was just like i'm not paying for this yeah so had to try and get my money back but i don't think i did i ended up renting another place and airbnb didn't refund it and mm, that's rough yeah it was weird but um well it's all part of the adventure yeah <laughs> So when, when you're traveling and working as a digital nomad, I mean, I'm familiar with this process, but people listening might not be, what, what are you doing? How are you making money? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, I really fell into this almost accidentally, um, where back in university, I, uh, I was basically about to graduate and I was faced with the prospect, am I going to get a regular job and work in an office? But an opportunity just presented itself to me where, um, some of my classmates actually got incubator funding from um from a startup incubator and then they essentially wanted me to join them as their quote-unquote cto but i basically made them the offer no rather than being your cto how about i'm your contractor your consultant where you just pay me by the hour and uh it just so happened they were okay with me um working remotely because i actually already had a trip planned i was going to go to china for a month yeah that's a score yeah yeah so literally i um i continued working for them while i was in china and that was my first experience with remote work and from then on, I realized, wow, this is, this is amazing. You were in Shenzhen? Uh, yeah, exactly. It was, yeah. uh, I was thinking about actually moving there to work on a electronics product, a yeah. Fitbit for weightlifting. Shenzhen is like the current or kind of the Silicon Valley of, of like hardware, hardware, That's what you embedded call it. electronics. Exactly. Right? Yeah. There's a, um, a area called Huaching Bay, which is, um, just filled with these skyscrapers with nothing but stalls selling electrical components. So whether that's resistors oh, yeah. or CPUs or um, you name it, they have it. Little uh, microphone chips, it's it's all there. They have PCB printing and uh, PCB is printed circuit board, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's those green things. If so you can get that prototyped in a day or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, if you're in the U.S., you're trying to get it done, prototype done in China, it's going to take weeks to ship to you. Mm -hmm. So you can just really cut down on your iteration time by actually being on site where they're getting manufactured. So when you guys were building and programming a fitness hardware and software yeah right? i was trying to make a wearable I was, that's what i was considering doing uh, obviously nothing ever really came of it but um but you know this is how i got my start in remote work and then i realized you know as soon as you do something once you realize oh you can replicate this mm -hmm. so then i was just uh hustling online trying to find uh, a new client after that project ended and i was able to actually and since then uh this was back in 2014 i've worked on maybe eight to ten different projects yeah and all of them have been remote and up front, I explain, you know, how I work and travel and I'm going to be in different time zones, but with a little bit of flexibility on the client side uh, in terms of meetings, especially if you're, for example, in Asia while they're in the U.S., uh, it's definitely workable. Yeah. They make it work because Ben is a 
pretty kick-ass web developer. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah, you know, when you're in Asia, oftentimes um, you might be taking calls at 10 p.m., 11 p.m., whereas in the U.S., you know, that might be the morning, maybe 9 a.m., 10 a.m., depending on whether it's East Coast, West Coast, Mountain Time, etc. But it's uh, close to a 12-hour time difference. And so you, you, you do have to be flexible with things like that because obviously yeah. no employee in America is willing to, you know, take a 10 p.m. call every night. Yeah, Just and you were doing calls at like midnight with your client for a long time in Bangkok, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I usually tried to stick to 10 or 11 so it would wrap up, you know, before midnight. Yeah. I think if you have calls that are going past midnight, that's a bit tough to deal with. Yeah. So, but to yeah. To stay awake during the call. <laughs> well, yeah, to stay awake and just for your sleep cycle. I mean, if you're... You know, staying up every night till 2 a.m., 3 a.m., waking up in the afternoon, that's just not really good for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say nice benefit is never have to wake up with an alarm when you're over there. Yeah. And, you know, first thing I'll do, I'll eat breakfast, then I'll just go to the pool, get a little swim in, get a tan in, and then you can kind of start the day uh, a few hours later. Yeah, and you're just kind of doing all that stuff while your clients are asleep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice. You know, I had a little uh, LLC that was called Work While You Sleep, based on the fact that I was working when the client was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> So it's worked out well, and um, me and Tom have already been, you know, working on our company flights machine uh, in a similar manner. You know, both of us have been on trips where we're in completely different time zones from each other. But, uh, you know, we use modern collaboration tools like Slack, which is a a chat program. And uh, we use things like... um, Trello. Yeah, Trello for uh, project management. You name it. Lots of SaaS tools. Yeah, GitHub. Exactly. Just everything on the internet in general. Yeah, yeah. It's a growing trend. So So we've been doing that for a year and... Three months now. Yeah, I think exactly working on Flight's machine remotely, and yep. we've written you know tens of thousands of lines of code. And <laughs> yeah, gotten a lot of stuff done, and it's been really good. Yeah, I think, I think both of us are pretty skilled at remote work, so definitely that, that definitely helps. Um, yeah, I did some work. Uh, I think originally my first remote client was Tesla when I worked there. So I see. I was down in the headquarters when I started in San Francisco, living down there, and then when I moved to Salt Lake City. Uh, I went off and did some consulting after working for Tesla. And then, uh, we, when I, when I moved back to Salt Lake city, they hit me up and wanted me to do some more work for them. So I worked remotely for them for a while. And, uh, and then later on did some stuff with you and, um, you worked for one of my clients here in Salt Lake city remotely. Yeah. And then, uh, you and I worked for black tie skis and, yep. um, also, yeah, I think I worked for Sidewalk while I was uh, remote. Um, I did some remote work for them from Nepal, which was <laughs> very challenging, but it actually worked. I mean, I could, I had good enough internet that I could write code and push it and, and do all that stuff. But definitely, um, if you need to upload something, it gets pretty hairy. Right, right. There, so. Yeah, or those real-time video calls and whatnot. Yeah, that's remote? just not even an option in, yeah. in Nepal. Right. You can barely upload your photos from your trip. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a, it's a pretty good intro to, I guess, how you and I met and worked together and have, have made some money as digital nomads. And, um, for me, I've mostly been a remote worker from my home. You know, I just have an office here and then, uh, my clients would normally be in another, um, in another place and I just do everything from home. So it's pretty nice. Like what you were saying, I can kind of take my time and wake up when I when I want to a degree and do my meditation in the morning and, and then just walk to my desk. And that's yeah. Pretty Best good commute. flow for me. Yeah. It's a good commute, but can be a little, uh, a little hard, a little lonely at times. Not a lot of human interaction. 
you find yourself going to coffee shops just to um, banter with the barista. <laughs> yeah, just to talk with like your server. Right. Um, but no, I have a I have a good solid social life in the evening, so that that helps. Yeah, no water cooler chat, but that's okay. So anyway, if uh, if you're listening and you find the digital nomad life interesting and or even just remote work and or anything that we've talked about reach out to us let us know um you can email either of us at tom at flightsmachine.com or ben at flightsmachine.com um and let us know what you what you liked what you don't like or what you would like to hear us talk about in the future so we'll wrap this one up for now uh thanks for listening <laughs>